Greyhound to trap one. Greyhound to trap one. How do you read me? Over. Hello and welcome to the Trap One Podcast. I'm Mark McManus. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by three of my favourite Doctor Who fan artists, Sophie, Jeff and Simon. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you all here. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, thank you. So Doctor Who is a series that really inspires people to be creative. Um, was there any particular story or series that, that really just sort of inspired you and, and got you to start? Well, people who know me know that I am a big fan of the first era, so the Hartnell era, particularly Ian and Barbara, and actually they were the, I think they were some of the first Doctor Who art I ever drew was um, the Hartnell era, and I think it's kind of just led on to drawing more of it, and I kind of, that's like my safety net if I want to draw something, I will end up drawing Ian, usually. I can't get Barbara's hair right, so Ian's easier. So I just say, oh, oh, it's a man's face. Okay, it's Ian. Um, That's what kind of tends to happen. Um, I drew Capaldi a lot because Capaldi was the first New Who series that kind of grabbed my attention. So I drew his Doctor a lot. Um, But I think it didn't really hit hard until I started drawing on for Twitch. And that was when I... I, Because it was obviously Hartnell first... I drew them first and then continue drawing everyone else and I then never stopped. So, but yeah, I think to answer your question, the Hartnell era were the ones that got me really drawing in the first place. That Twitch um, marathon was just a brilliant communal experience on Twitter and everything, wasn't it? It was, it was great seeing people discover it for the first time and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was, it was a really amazing time because I didn't expect it to work. I I was a Hartnell fan already, and I was dubious, a bit suspicious, that I didn't think Twitch had the audience to hook a load of people on black and white telly, to be frank. Well, regardless of whether I liked it or not, I wasn't sure that that would happen. I think they were streaming Pokemon, like usually, that's what they would usually do, and I'm like, Pokemon to Hartnell Who is a bit of a jump, <laughs> but I don't know if it was the fact you could interact with it with the chat or if it was the meme like trailers in between whatever it was it was a combination of magic that led everyone to be like well i need to see that scene now from the trailer i need to see those scenes from the trailers now and that kind of led on to people who hadn't seen it before to be attached and obviously people who couldn't you know Britbox is relatively new and a lot of people didn't always have the dvd so it was an excuse for a lot of us myself included to watch episodes we'd not got a chance to watch it or ones that I only seen half of or whatever. So I was like, well, I can watch them with everyone else. Um, so I think it was a, a really quite magical way of getting into the fandom, I think at that point. So yeah, that that's my thoughts on Twitch, but yeah. yeah. It's funny how those clips, Jeff, we were talking about this on, on your podcast um, in the wilderness shares. I saw the, 30 Years in the TARDIS and Resistance is Futile and there was loads of clips of, of old Doctor Who stories I'd never seen and it really really made me want to see them it's just an appetizer isn't it yeah. it just makes you want the whole meal um, rather than just <clears throat> that, that snippet because he's magical it's always magical I'll never forget the first time I ever saw Roger Delgado in action talking was um, Resistance is Useless um, and it was the black and white clip from Terror of the Autons uh, mm-hmm. in the office. 
and that just blew my mind. As I mean, when was that? Ninety ninety ish. What? Yeah, so I was about yeah. 13, 14, and that was my first experience of Roger Delgado's Master. And from then on, it was just like, I've got to have more. I've got to have more. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, I think Twitch, I think those, those Wilderness Years documentaries we would sporadically get, all of those just entice people into Doctor Who, don't they? And they just feed that need for the completionist in all of us to just go, yes, I want more now. I've had it. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. And for you, Jeff, was there any particular point that that um, made you start doing Doctor Who art? Was it from childhood? I, I think the first Doctor Who thing I ever drew um, as a child, apart from probably the TARDIS, was Cybermen. Uh, because Earthshock was in my second ever season watching as a kid, and I was sort of five. <laughs> and that just blew my mind. And so Cybermen doodles everywhere. I had to wait four years for Daleks, but Cybermen were the thing. And I still do them now uh, in the art that I'm making now, it's always Simon. Simon is the thing that I will always go back to. Um, but yeah, that's from when I was five. So that's 39 years of Cybermen. <laughs> I, my first foray into Dot Two Art, I suppose, was as a kid. Uh, Jeff and I are roughly the same age um, on textbooks, on textbook covers. Um, and drawing Cybermen and Daleks and the TARDIS, and particularly um, Tom Baker's scarf sticking out of the TARDIS door, which I've narrowed down to the Shardra excerpts from Five Doctors. And so, of course, the uh, Dark Tower as well. So, basically, the Five Doctors. So, I would have been about five at <laughs> the yeah. time, yeah. 1983 which makes me feel incredibly old now. <laughs> um, but it, also, at the same time, I was doing... I've still got them upstairs, um, scrapbooks. So my mum used to get lots of magazines like Best and Woman's Weekly, very 1980s kind of thing to do. And when she'd finished with them, she'd chuck them on the pile. I'd steal them and I'd cut them up with scissors and make surreal pictures, like uh, Monty Python pictures and stick yeah. with a uh, Brit stick. And, you know, like kind of uh, random headlines coming out of people's mouths, like, you know, like kind of flip top mouth. And um, and that's, I haven't really stopped doing that, just do it on the computer now. There's no real change, <laughs> I haven't progressed. Yeah, I was going to say that that's very much like the Time War Simon yeah. pictures that you do. Um, and, and, and like Jeff, you do a combination of uh, stuff with figures and, and, and photos. Um but in a way, Simon, I guess your your series of who beards as well was um, was um, a, a bit like kind of using the figures like a live action thing, uh, recreating the great beards of, of Doctor Who. Yeah, that came about because of uh, lockdown, and um, I was incredibly bored. And um, at the, I'm a university student. Um, I'm uh, post grad, so at the time it was I was between modules. I had nothing to do, and I thought. How can I entertain myself? So um, I realised that I had I saw a picture of um, what's it called Jack Watling? Is it um, Professor Professor Travers? And I thought, oh, my beard looks like his, and I've got glasses <laughs> like him. So I tried to emulate the photo because oh, 
very bored day, lovely bright and sunny outside, didn't go outside, like a good Doctor Who fan. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'll put this on Twitter. And then it just escalated. It, it escalated quickly. That was a fantastic thread. Yeah, bought a lot of lot of smiles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then started taking requests, and I think the peak was the Archimandrite, and and of course then it turned into crafting. So lots of Amazon boxes because we've all been ordering off Amazon. So I made the Archimandrite app and um, out of that, and a towel, a stripy towel wrapped around me, and it's uh, oh, it was good fun. That's my first foray into cosplay. Never done it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that, that that's going to be you at the first convention, isn't it? After it, lockdown, it's going to be a drop. It will be, but it'll be cardboard and a towel. That's, <laughs> right. that's probably all the BBC could afford at the time as well, so that's fine. Well, quite. It's very Arthur Dent, isn't it? Wherever you go, always take a towel. And cardboard. And cardboard. Yeah, you always need cardboard and scissors and sticky back plastic. Very, very Janet Ellis. And when you're working, Sophie, do you tend to have the episodes playing or do you use kind of action figures and that type of thing? Or? Uh, it honestly depends on what I'm trying to do. Um, I like to use reference for drawing. So if I'm drawing a particular scene or a particular pose or even a particular costume, I'll tend to go find the image and like draw. Um, but it really just depends on what I'm trying to ask um in com- what's the word um, capture at the time so for example with the Twitch stuff it was very much a, I want to capture this scene because I like this scene um, but sometimes I just want to try and draw a Dalek in my style so I'll just go put a picture of a Dalek up and go okay well there's a photorealistic version of a Dalek how would I draw a Dalek and with my flick black lines or what have you or um, just depends really um but I like my, my favorite type of drawing when I actually have the confidence to do so is trying to capture the emotion of a scene. So one of the best, worst things I've ever drawn is sad looking John Pertwee against a brick wall. <laughs> um, uh, to, to kind of denote uh, when Joe left and, um, Katie was like, oh, it's so good. And I just sat there going, it's just John against a brick wall. But I must, I must have done something right trying to capture the emotion of how he was feeling at that moment. So that's what I, try, I strive towards. But sometimes it's hard to do. And I think as an artist who like <laughs> grew up with things like comics and stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm actually very jealous of Jeff and Simon because I didn't grow up with Doctor Who. I didn't have an excuse to draw Daleks in textbooks or I, I didn't have that connection to Doctor Who then. So I was watching Disney anime and I was reading comics and stuff like that. And I was really into Star Wars. So the closest I got was drawing lightsabers and Obi-Wan Kenobi and stuff because of my age. Like, you know, just like that sort of thing. And dreaming about pod racing. Um, so that's what because of my age, that's what I kind of fell into. But I kind of wish I'd got into Doctor Who then. But I'd have, I'd have been a very lonely wilderness e- wild, <laughs> wildness era kid because uh, I knew no one else who liked Doctor Who until I hit uni, <laughs> which would have been another 20, you know, another 15 years later. Um, yes, so just trying to think. But, yeah, that's what I would normally do. That's what I love about... Um current Doctor Who fan art is we have people who have had 
so many other influences, just like you, Sophie, who haven't just been sort of drizzled in Doctor Who from, from an early age. Um, and all of those influences are showing up in the art now. Um, and it's really nice to see. It's really nice to get a different flavour for what Doctor Who is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Is because I've always wondered what everybody else's influences are because um, the what the wonderful Doctor Who art that you see on Twitter, especially because that's where I spend most of my time online, is is also very different. I always wonder what other people's passion, what people's other passions are. Like um, you know, like some. Uh, everybody's takes are really different. Sophie, your art, for me, it always is, not exactly like, but it always reminds me of Quentin Blake, yeah. who um, illustrated all the Roald Dahl books when I was growing up. And that always kind of, those illustrations always drew me in. And and they seem very, they, they, they had kind of a scratchy style. Yours is a bit smoother. But mm. nevertheless, it was when they were in with the text they, they are now part of that experience and part of those memories. So, you know, finding people's other influences and other passions that feeds, that that uses a lens to view Doctor Who through and recreate Doctor Who through, um, I'd, I'd love to know. I mean, there's there's a fair few artists on Twitter that I'd love to ask that question. Yeah, there's... Uh, I, I'm... I'm always blown away by the different takes of art there is i mean usually in sci-fi something i discovered coming into it kind of blind is that a lot of the art is quite photorealistic people want to make their sci-fi look real and that's what i come into originally and i think i was when i first turned up and started doodling and cartooning it was very much a sense of oh you're different because you're not doing photorealistic stuff but actually i feel like particularly in like Jodie's era, there's a lot more people doing a lot more kind of bright and colourful and cartoony art. I thought, which I think is great. I, I love it. Um, but it's also, I mean, I love the photorealistic stuff as well because I, I couldn't do that. If you paid me, I still would. It would take me forever to kind of figure out how I would even start with things like there are people using Blender to create amazing things and Photoshop and God knows what else. And it's amazing. I mean, I can use Photoshop, but in a, in a, again, for my style, for what I'm striving towards. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause like you're saying about Quinton Blake, like my, I, I'm, I'm constantly referred to as Herge, like the Tintin oh. drawings, um, which I don't mind at all, but I'm also like, that's a lot of pressure, man. I can't do that. But <laughs> um, I get it with Quinton Blake as well, because Quinton's, uh, drawings, they're quite off model. They're quite, they're, they're quite rough around the edges. And I really yeah. like that. But I, as an artist myself, I really like, I, I can't do the roughness. I have to kind of do it smoother. So it is interesting that you said that. Um, I, I lean more towards Hergé, but I, I grew up with Quinton Blake, but I grew up with Disney. I grew up with the like Renaissance Disney of the 80s and 90s. So, you know, um, there's, there's some beautiful uh, artists of that era. Like uh, there's a guy called Glenn Keane, who was very well known for like really... Uh, passionate pencil strokes and he was the animator for Ariel and uh, Beast and the, the the really big bear in Fox of the Hound like he was yeah. known for that as well there's there's he's done loads if you if you google him you'll just be like 
oh, that makes sense. <laughs> like, uh, um, but he's all about putting the emotion on paper. That's his kind of thing. And that's something I grew up wanting to do. I studied animation. So I studied kind of that ilk of storytelling, which is all about gesture and trying to put down things down quickly. And I'm an impatient person. So I'm not very good at spending a long time working on colouring. I'm like, let's get it down. If the emotion's there, sort it. Go, because um, I am an impatient person by nature. Um, so yeah, and I just love all the different types of styles we get. It's but, great. but your 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 art seems to go um, by natural inclination. I would have thought, like kind of to the small to the to the small moments, like the daisiest daisy moments, rather than the massive explosions. Yes, which obviously the photorealism art and that kind of art, that kind of people who do that, they do that brilliantly. But I, I, I find that very hard to encapsulate. So, yeah, for me, it's the small moments. It's the hugs and the smiles at each other from across the room. Uh, you know, it's the, we, we survived an adventure, isn't that great? Or the goodbyes, the hellos. They're the things that make me really excited as an artist to try and capture. Um, so, yeah, spot on. Yeah, that, That's instinctively more emotive and perhaps what um, people draw from Doctor Who rather than you know like because yeah, yeah. like, um uh, uh, the, the painting that that's your, your picture that's in my mind is of sarah jane in hand of fear and she's sitting in a dungarees on the floor looking at the lunchbox and that's just such a, a lovely moment that's kind of an iconic moment in my head i know that word's overused now but it really is because it's such an image but it's kind of a still moment in in the whole and it's kind of uh, loaded moment as well because you know the, the the hand is in the box and everything and she's there looking like a kid even though she's not and it's got a lot of emotion to it so yeah I think I think your art kind of brings out like these big emotions but from uh, a point of stillness and a point of smallness oh, thank you <laughs> that's very kind of you to say oh scary (laughs) (laughs) I am not good at taking praise as you can probably gather I find it very hard I'm very good at going yeah this is what I do I love your work I love this I love that but I I, I find I don't know how anyone else feels here but it's kind of a you worry about the next thing being as good as the thing that people are complimenting you about so it's kind of like you know, oh, oh that, that Dalek you drew is really good. And I'm like, I will never be able to redraw it ever again. So enjoy it while it lasts, you know. <laughs> so in terms of the sort of um, the starting point, so Sophie, is, is when you're watching a story, do they sort of leap out at you as you're watching or is it when you're thinking about it a bit more afterwards? It's usually when I'm watching. I like to draw when I'm watching something. So... Um, yeah, I think usually when I'm watching something or if there's a particular scene that's resonated with me ages later, um, I will kind of go, I need to find that moment. And I usually go to, I think there's a website, the Tragical History Tour, I think it's called, and they have all the screenshots for like everything that exists on there. And I'll go through and see if there's a pose reference or if not, I think there's Facebook groups of photography references. If I need it, I'll find it um, to make sure that I can make sure everyone's wearing the correct costume. And Cause I know what fans are like. I try very hard to make sure that no one's like, she was wearing a different top. And I'll be like, um, 
So, yeah. That reminds me of me getting told off on Facebook because I did a Paul McGann head swap and I put his newer head on the older costume. And, well, he never had his head like that when he wore that costume. Um, you have to shut that kind of thing out every now and again. <laughs> I think the answer to that is, well, he is in mine. So, nah. <laughs> exactly. Well, he is here, so... <laughs> <laughs> And in your art, Jeff, you're a lot of time creating new scenarios, so so meetings between um, aliens and doctors or different doctors. So, what, what was your sort of starting point for those? It's really weird. It's I kind of have a visual memory for what pictures I've got, and I'm also a wannabe writer who is really far too lazy to write um <laughs> so it's a lot easier to try and tell that story with with uh, an extensive knowledge of doctor who screen caps stills moments uh and just go yeah this is gonna work together um but then it was like the other night i was sat on my phone just playing around with the art package on my phone and i made that um uh, ascension of the cybermen picture that i posted up on twitter which has done remarkably well um giving me those feelings of pressure to perform uh, again uh, i'm never i'm never going to recapture it because some things just speak to a lot of people and some things just speak to me personally everything i make i make for me because it's what i want to see as a fan it's what resonates with me um my thoughts and feelings about doctor who and i think that's what i try to get across in my art is this is me as a doctor who fan this these are moments that are always happening inside my head um these are moments that if it were my sandbox to play in then this is what I'd be doing, you know? It's, um, it, it's yeah, it's just telling stories with a brief moment um, and then seeing what comes of it. Is it I can't, kind of a natural evolution? Like, is there a starting point and does it kind of evolve of its own accord or do you have a fixed idea when you go, get, go to that <clears throat> A lot of it is seeing what works. Um, and I would say probably about 20% of what I do never even makes it onto Twitter because I just give up on it. Uh, because it doesn't work for me aesthetically. Uh, it doesn't fit what I'm trying to do. But it's like I was looking at the... <laughs> you know my picture of um, the first Doctor and the 13th Doctor at the TARDIS together at the console? Um <laughs> That was, looking at that picture, that, that original um, uh, promo picture from, from, what is it, it's an unearthly child, isn't it, I think, um, of the original crew, and then just thinking, well, hang on, there's that shot of Jodie leaning over in uh, the Saranga conundrum where she's working on the console there, and I think I can see where that would fit. And that's what happened. Uh, and it worked. Um, I fluked it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of it's fluke. A lot of it is fluke. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it's knowing images. It's having those images in your mind's eye almost all the time. 
but don't tell anyone. Uh, <laughs> and it's and knowing what I've got access to and what I've seen online and certain looks um, and going, I know who they're looking at in that look. And it's not who they're looking at in the screenshot. It's who I want them to be looking at. Here's this story. Yeah. I, I I love your art, Jeff, because it's so crunchy. It has texture. It's, it's, it's really grungy and mucky. It's like... Um, it's like when I first first uh, saw Doctor Who in the Davison era, and I know that was meant to be overlit, but to young me, it was like kind of, oh my God, the universe is dark place. It's a dark place. And I must have seen Terminus because it was just, I thought it's actually quite grimy. And that's kind of stuck in my head. And, you know, like seeing your art, it's kind of how I imagine it, like abandoned factories and and war zones but not during the war afterwards you know post-apocalyptic almost and you know like the filters you use on it it just it looks like it's kind of a found photo or on an old hard drive dug up from a war zone a lot of doctor who for me is memories and i kind of want to evoke that mental memory those snapshots of growing up as a kid watching like cybermen and that kind of haze, that kind of out of focus, you can't quite steeze on it. Into, and I think a lot of that comes out in my art. Plus, I'm a big fan of heavy metal album covers. Um, and so there's a lot of, because I've, I've, I've had them in my life for nearly as long as Doctor Who, you know. It's... Um, uh, and looking at these album covers, it's, uh, my dad had... Uh, pile of records and you just flick through these 12 inch pictures and just be transported my mum had a book of roger dean uh it's called views and it's a load of his art and it's so fantastical and bizarre and out there and i was looking at images like that like the record covers at the same time i was watching doctor who as a very young child um and all of that just sort of sucked into my brain and that's what I try to evoke I think in what I do heavy metal who love it and yeah agreed Gallifrey Gothic is such a brilliant name for it as well um, it, it's, it really that evolved. was our mutual friend Conrad's idea he came up with Gallifrey and Gothic uh, right. and I'm forever grateful yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it is a perfect evocative description I think and then for, for Time War Simon, um, you come up with the, the sort of the scenario or the setting first, and, uh, presumably, and then how do you decide which characters are going are gonna to fit into those? Well, it's kind of, um, I'm always on the lookout for, it's again, harking back to my mum's magazines of the 80s. I was always looking out for um, kind of pictures that I could cut out and I think, oh, that would be good. Oh, that would be good. It's, I've got a very eclectic mind and I kind of, I'm a bit of a magpie and I like, and I do this in research as well and I'll take a bit of knowledge and I'll bring it there and I'll take a bit of that and I'll bring it there. And I kind of do that with pictures as well. I look for an interesting background or a fun, some a scenario that would be funny to me, like in a laundress. I mean, you wouldn't have Cybermen in laundrettes or Mestor or, or um, 
Uh, one, there's one that was picked up by BBC America. It was retweeted by BBC America. And it was Doctor Who Monsters on a gay beach. And there was a Cyberman in a thong. I, I, I thought that was a bit of a victory in myself. And I just thought, you know, I'm trying to look for unlikely ones that kind of, like, make me giggle a bit. You know, it's like it's something absolutely unlikely. And um, sometimes also because... I'm an angry middle-aged man as well, or something a bit ethical. So, so um, I did one recently about um, uh, so with the word roadmap, as in the roadmap out of the mess that we're all in at the moment. So it was a road. So of course you got the seventh doctor on a motorbike, and, you know, and it's just kind of taking one kernel of an idea and kind of like expanding it outwards but what looks funny you know and it's what what amuses me and if it amuses me then it might amuse a couple of other people so yeah and i try and put one or two cheeky things in there as well yeah that's about it really but it's just it does it doesn't take itself too seriously it's um it's 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 all a nice bit of fun and a bit of pop art that no one else seems to be doing it's yeah well, I really like it. You saying about the um, the Monty Python inspired stuff you did as a kid? I see it so much. It feels very much like Terry Gillian has gone. Here's a load of Doctor Who magazines. I want you to cut out the pictures and play and put them with other things. And it is it's really charming. I love it. Like almost like the naivety of it. Yeah, it's just like yeah. I'm just gonna find the doctor like that that roadmap one i'm just gonna find the doctor with vehicles and i'm just gonna see what else i can do and oh let's put them on this and it's great i love it yeah it's kind of it's just messing about and um i quite i love a bit of surrealism as well and i love the surreal it's just anything that doesn't make sense like a fish flying through the air it's i think the facts that we can um in uh uh, even conceive of something surreal like a fish flying through the air or or something like that it's it's just it, it's absolutely amazing that we as a species can do that and um but it's i just love silly things silly is good because we, we live in such a serious world it's good to take the mickey out of it a bit and also it's kind of like affectionate ribbing with something if you love somebody really a lot and it's a very british thing you can take the mickey out of them a lot, can't you? You know, it's like, you, you don't call them sweetheart a lot. You call them rude names. I'm trying not to say them so I don't earn this podcast. <laughs> <because> it's racing. <laughs> um, but, and it's kind of like doing that with Doctor Who because I love it so much. It's, you know, I'm, I'm instinctively taking the mickey out of it. So, yeah. And the joy of those is zooming in and finding the, the details that, that are yeah. um, obvious on on a first look, isn't it? It's uh, it's finding the little hidden partial things as well. I, I keep meaning, meaning to put uh, where's Wally on it. I did get a cyber mat and a condom though, so I'm quite proud. Right, fine. Absolutely, why not? <laughs> and because it's social media that um, you come along, that's you know kind of really makes this stuff widely available and means you can share and and, uh, and enjoy other people's art as well, isn't it? It's been a, you know, compared to like you're saying when, um, especially the us older ones on the podcast were, were younger and, and didn't really know any of the Doctor Who fans maybe or, you know, maybe one or two in your school, uh, you know, doodling in on kind of jotters and stuff. Whereas 
Um, now it opens up to the entire world. Yeah, it, it still it still amazes me that um, that you can press a button and something you've made or something you've said is all around the world in an instant. Mm-hmm. Mind blown. Absolutely. I remember when um, one of the first projects I did after Twitch was the uh, Mild Curiosities anthology, um, which was an Ian Barbara Spine anthology. And we had orders from Russia. And I'm just sat there going, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, we, you know, it was, it was, I was small fry back then. I barely knew anything about anyone. I was just like, I want to write Ian and Barbara things and I want people to help me write them. And let's put them in a book and see what happens and do it for charity. And, um, we did, I think we made a, a grand, which was great with Fantastic. all the printing and everything, but it was surreal. Like we had about 20 or 30 copies in the UK and then every, it was the rest of it was everywhere else. I was like, people in America are going to have ordered this and people in, I'm pretty sure there was quite a few French and German, like Europe all over the place. And I was like, this is, and that's, that's just like physical media. That's not even considering Twitter. Like my, I don't know what's going on on my Twitter account. Cause I'm now over 5,000 people. And I sit there all the time going, that's 5,000 people automatically get my, you know, weird ramblings or doodles or whatever. And all I do is just say hi. And I go, hi, <laughs> I did this. I'm going to this. I like Doctor Who. Oh, look at Ian. That's literally all I do. I don't do anything else. Probably should do more with it, really. But it, it's, it's, um, it's odd. Um, that, I mean, I, I mean, I'm out of all of us. I'm the the younger one, I suppose you would say, at 31, and I still think social media is strange. Like, I, for me, social media didn't kick off until my second year of university, and even then, I was just kind of like, uh, it's a way to keep in touch with my parents while I'm at uni. It's, you know, my mum had Facebook and that was kind of a way of keeping in touch with her or friends that I knew from primary school or secondary school. That was kind of what I used it for. I didn't even use Twitter until just before Twitch. And now I, I couldn't imagine not being on Twitter. <laughs> like, it's the best way to get your work out there if that's what you want to do. So social media is weird. I agree. <laughs> is that, you know, wrong? remember when I first discovered that actually there were other people that really liked Doctor Who and they were online and they had Facebook groups and pages and and it was mind-blowing to me absolutely mind-blowing because it wasn't just people like me it wasn't just a load of me's it was people from all walks of life all different countries all races all genders and it just blew my mind it's uh, and it still does a little bit it, it freaks me out a little bit <laughs> well it's one of the things i love the most about doctor who and especially as a fandom is that because of the length of time it's been on and the generations it's created like you, I mean, I'm I'm a Hartnell fan at the age of 31, and I know loads of Hartnell fans who are. Some of them are like 
16 have just discovered Hot Lalera and they're like they're like proper like standing in and Barbara. I've seen the fan cams and the TikToks. It's really weird because I'm sat there going, you're like a baby. <laughs> like in my head, you're a baby. And then I can turn to go to go to an event and talk to someone who went, oh yeah, I remember watching them live. And I'm just like, it's like the, the spectrum is mad. It's wonderful, but also mad. That's and it's kind of one of the things I love about, about Doctor Who is that you're right, all genders, like, it, everyone has such a different experience and a different collective view and are so, it's so subjective, which is why it's sad when fandom fall out with each other because it's like, mm. no, no, Doctor Who's for everyone. Like, no, stop, <laughs> you know? It's like, just... If you don't like that, that's fine. Like something else. There's plenty there. Just take what you want and leave people to like what they like, you know? Um, which is why Doctor Who is so mad. <laughs> because you couldn't do that with any other fandom. Not really. Not in the same way. Um, so I think it's... It's mad. That's I love what surprises me about, about Hartnell is that when... When it came back in 2005, and it continued and kept on going and kept on going, and and I thought, yeah, but nobody will like the black and white stuff. I, I honestly thought that, and I thought, so when younger generations loved Hartnell and loved Troughton, that's that's my biggest surprise. Mm. Yeah, he's and, and they took it to the hearts. I mean, it's a heartwarming surprise. It's an absolutely wonderful surprise. Because I'm a McCoy boy, always was, always will be, and but no, he's, he's straight back to the beginning. It's it's William Hartnell, the original Tardis team, that whole London 1965 thing yeah. on Twitch. That I was, <laughs> I, I couldn't get enough of that because I just thought I was absolutely flabbergasted that um, you know to uh, uh, the whole, a whole new generation is absolutely loving Ian and Barbara. And quite right. Yeah, quite quite right. Quite yeah. right. Um, to touch on that, actually, um, talking about social media and that sort of thing, I remember when they were airing the Hartnell ones and there was a mistake. And I think it was they couldn't play the web planet straight away or something. I was at work, so this is when I couldn't do art as a job. And I was working in a call centre and I was preparing my doodles for the day to finish at home and watch live, which is how I had to do it during the Twitch season. And um, I, I think I was able to check social media and people were screaming for the red, the, the <laughs> web planet because it wasn't coming on on time. And I was sat there going, there are thousands of people going mad because the web planet has not started airing. What universe have I fallen into? Am I in a weird dimension thing? What? It's just crazy. I mean, I love the web planet, but it's not everyone's boat. And it's kind of that thing of people just going, is this happening? <laughs> is this actually happening? Are we actually watching a, a generation of people going, we demand the web planet? I think that was even the tweet hashtag was like, where's the web, where's web planet? And I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? Um yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it's just something I love so much about Doctor Who and how it inspires the art, too, so much. Um, because, you know, when you look at the art then that was being made in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that, it's different to how it's being made now, too. 
And I think that's a big part of it as well. Yeah. We're such a collective community. We all come to, even trying to reproduce the same image, we all have different ways, new technology, old technology, whatever. It's, it's astounding. It really is astounding. It's great. Because back in back in um, back earlier, I mean, uh, there was Colin Howard, there was Alistair Pearson, there was mm-hmm. Andrew Skilliter, and and then slowly and all of a sudden it just seems to have exploded, doesn't it? And it's and even some like kind of uh, the digital artists who do kind of the stuff that actually moves. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. The stuff that moves um, has has actually made it onto the program. Yeah. Like the motion graphics and stuff. I mean, I think wasn't it the chap who did a fan made like the clockwork opening and Moffat hired him to do the actual. It's like, what? (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. Did the fan do what? Like, (laughs) you know, even like if we're looking away slightly from fan art and looking at fan fiction. I mean, technically, Big Finish. I've just created fan fiction for the last 20-odd years. Um, <laughs> licensed fan fiction for the last 20-odd years. And they started off as a group of nerds like all of us. And I think, again, it's that thing of, like, fandom, fan art, fan fiction. It's that creative spark that Doctor Who creates. I think it's really powerful stuff. Why does it create that, though? That's what I want to know. I mean, like... Because it makes you think outside of the box, and if you can connect with that, you're more likely to be able to connect with an artistic interpretation. Doctor Who doesn't adhere to the norms. You get stories like Kinder, you get stories like The Web Planet, you get stories like um, Can You Hear Me? And you get all of these stories that do things that you just wouldn't get anywhere else. And if that speaks to you, then that means you're you're open to to more things and more influences and more inspiration. And if you're open to that, you're more likely to act on it, I think. Uh, that's, that's how I feel. It's wonderfully put, Jeff, and you're completely right. Um, I remember after watching Greg's show in The Galaxy... And the, the robot trapped in the sand, I drew that time and time again, mainly because it was a series of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> it was very easy to do, but by drawing it, I was remembering the scene because there was nothing else on TV where a big, crunchy, grungy robot was bowed up to the waist in the sand. And there was no explanation for it. I didn't care. It was a robot buried in sun shooting at people. Brilliant. What more do you want? It's anywhere in time and space. The, the possibilities are endless with any anything. You know, it's it's not like it's just a historical program. Because if it was just a historical program, it could probably still be pretty damn awesome. But it's not. It's like no, we're we're expanding even upon that. What happens when aliens invade history? What happens when, you know, uh like Planet of the Giants, they bloody shrink because they're in the wrong. They 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 go into the wrong pocket dimension at one point and then they shrink. Like what? <laughs> There's something so wonderful about Doctor Who's experimentation. Like so many of the episodes are like, I wonder what will happen if we do this. And it's probably the only TV show I know of. I could be wrong because I hear One Division's a bit like it, but that kind of, it can kind of open itself to 
trying stuff out mm-hmm. in a way that other shows are can't. You can't. EastEnders can't suddenly have a time machine in it. Like, it, oh, we, oh, oh. Uh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> but it just wouldn't happen. Like, it was completely off script. Um, you know, though I will be pitching that. No, um, <laughs> like, you know, it's that thing of it's such a creative show. And, like, the amount of people I've met from it who are more open to uh, different politics, to like people I know who are Doctor Who fans tend to be a lot more open to discussion of things they don't understand. You know, it's that sort of like it's it's much more than just their imagination. It's more they're just open to other possibilities and thinking outside the box. Or in the case of Doctor Who, as you like thinking inside the box because the box is the TARDIS and it's infinite, right? It's just <laughs> uh, it's it, it's infinite possibilities, and I, I think uh, that's. That's great. It make it takes all sorts to build such possibility. So, and that's the thing. Doctor Who has always been made by so many different people. Yeah. There's so many fingerprints all over it from the very get go. Um, you had different directors, costume designers, musical um, influences. Doctor Who is is a sum of its parts, um, and it always has been, and it still is. Mm-hmm. Are there any eras that you two go for? Because I know I go for Seventh Doctor, obviously, because he was my Doctor when I was growing up. But also there's uh, the Third Doctor as well, just because out of usefulness for you, for the images that you're trying to portray, are there particular eras that are more useful for your style? Um, for me, it's more... I love Doctor Who as a collective, so it depends on how I'm feeling and what I've been watching a lot of. So, for example, um, uh, recently for the Friends Base um, watch along the Who Are We Calling Small, Aaron asked me to draw um, Mike and Ace um, for their prints. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have a look at some some screenshots, again, using the tragical uh, tragical history tour website and just utter fondness and some excitement to watch Remembrance again because I love that it's one of my it was the first classic who I ever watched so oh, for me it's like <laughs> brilliant I was so lucky it's like the first one I ever watched sat there going I love her I love him I love <laughs> I love them are they, are they like you know and this is before I'd met Ian and Barbara I just knew that I love these characters um so, like, drawing, like, Ace and Mike, and I was like, this is great, and I think uh, hopefully that came across in the drawing, because I was just so happy and excited to be able to relive that moment. But it just depends, really. Um, era-wise, like, I love the first Doctor era, I love the second Doctor era, I love the seventh Doctor era. I think they're the three that I hark back to the most. But, you know, I, I get excited about all of them. In their own way, they all have something charming or naive or dark or, you know, whatever you're kind of in the mood for. Like Tom Baker, like, I'm, in, I'm into some Gallifreyan gothic today. Let's, uh, let's put some Tom on, you know. Or like, so <clears throat> I'm very lucky because, in a way because my husband's still not seen so much of Who. Like, he's, he's seen all the new stuff. Um, but classic stuff-wise, like, he loves Troughton. So if he's really fancying watching a Doctor Who, he'll turn to me and go can we watch the end of the world today? <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Oh, the enemy of the world. We can watch enemy of the world. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
you know, or like if I say I want to watch a Hartnell, he's happy to watch with me. But there's still loads we've not seen and watched together. I've seen most of it, but it's like um, getting the season 14 Blu-ray. It's like there's stuff on there I know he's not seen and we can now watch it in high quality. And I'm sitting there like, yes, let's put it on the PS4. Let's go. Um, (laughs) We can sit there just like absorbing it all. And that's something I love about Doctor Who as well is there's still so much I feel like I have yet to experience, whether that's within the show, because there's still like, I I would say there's still like 30% of it I haven't watched. And that's just my own laziness. I certainly can, (laughs) but it's finding the time and the headspace, but books, comics, audios, they're everywhere. Like (laughs) everything is a source of fun and inspiration and magic. Like there's so much of it. (laughs) Like, I feel sorry for Doctor Who fans because there's just almost too much. Where do you start? It's like from the beginning might be too hard. (laughs) (laughs) And there's always more and there's always new stuff. And because of that, 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 that cycle of influence um, and then someone who's been influenced will go off and influence someone else in their own unique fashion and way. Um, Be it writing stories, be it making audio plays, be it, making art and it just continues and it just gets bigger it seems to steamroller almost yeah i've got a story about this my niece and nephew who live in hong kong and so they don't get it um kind of like first hand as it were um uh they're oh how old are they oh i'm a bad uncle um (laughs) they're about seven and nine i think and they've only known the doctor to be jody they only know that the, the doctor is Jodie, and I had to explain who this fella was, David Tennant. So it's Jodie or David Tennant and nobody else, because the Ambarians can't cope with anybody else like other than Tennant and Jodie. And um, my very talented nephew, God bless him, um, went away, and then 10 minutes later, he came back with almost a perfect Lego replica of Jodie and the TARDIS, and he just made it there and then with the bricks that he brought over to England. Wow. How? And I just thought, and um, I sent over a Doctor Who magazine for for them because the comic strip by the wonderful Scott Gray uh, mm-hmm. was set in Hong Kong. And I thought, oh, they might like that because it's set where they live, albeit in the 70s. And it's got Bruce Lee, who I know my brother, their dad, loves. And um, they've got a poster of Jodie. Uh, my niece has a poster of Jodie on, on the back of her bedroom door. Oh. Warms the heart, doesn't it? But like the same poster that I can see behind Jeff right now. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's the one. And but going away and making something out of Lego, and Jody being your first one, and who knows who will come after? You know, Doctor Twenty Five or whatever. And you know, it's um, it's wonderful. So you're quite right. It passes on. To, to add to that story, so my I have a brother-in-law who's eight. Uh, so Ethan is eight years old, and he turned eight on Sunday. Um, and I got him the new uh, Doctor Who and the Runaway something. It's a storybook. <clears throat> it's one of the few storybooks. Beautiful illustrations. And um, when my mother-in-law rang to thanks for the... We got him some other bits as well. She's like, I didn't know they had storybooks for Doctor Who. He's been watching some of them on iPlayer. And 
I knew that he knew of it because he knew I liked Doctor Who because we've discussed it before when I've said oh, it's about a man, you know, because I was watching the Hartnell ones on on TV like I do at other people's houses. And he was like, who's that? Um, and he knew what a Dalek was. So he doesn't know what exterminate means. So he was running around apparently in the playground saying kill, which I don't know is a better example. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's the idea that next time I go, I see him, which I haven't seen him for would be about nine months or eight months now, because we saw him in the summer-ish um, when we had that kind of lapse. Um, you know, I might be able to actually ask him about the Doctor because he's been watching them with his mum. He watched he, he watched Arachnids in the UK first. I was like, that's not, that's scary. Uh, for, for an eight-year-old, those spiders are terrifying. God, they were, they were like, it's Brilliant. a bit scary. Um, but he said they've been watching it and they really enjoyed it. And this is like you know, goes to show that that there will be a point where he'll be old enough to either say he's a fan or not, but he'll be able to turn around and say, oh, my first Doctor was Jodie Whittaker and my first episode that I remember, potentially, was a record in the UK. Whether they'll get him, I don't know, any sort of slack, I, I have no idea. We'll still find out, but, you know. Future showrunner. Future showrunner. <laughs> But I think that's fine. the perfect age, I think, as well. Um, I, yeah, one of my I, mates from school, uh, again, we met up, met up in the summer, and he was saying, oh, yeah, his, his little girl's eight, and, and I started watching a bit of Doctor on the iPlayer. Um, so we, I um, gave one of my old Sonic screwdriver toys. I said, there you oh. go, that's, that's to watch when you, uh, that's to play with when you're watching Doctor Who, because I thought, might just tip her over into being a fan if she's got she's got, <laughs> got, got a toy as well. Um, Merchandise is a good in. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love it. When my niece and nephew are a bit older, they're getting Eagle Moss. They'll get yeah. the farm on the Eagle Moss set. And, <laughs> you know, maybe in about two years when they're old enough and they can appreciate a figure that doesn't move. <laughs> So, uh, which other artists um, are, are we uh, fans of and would we recommend to our listeners? Um, loving Billy McKenzie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They blew me away. I, I honestly thought that you that they were available to buy, mass marketed, and I was just like, oh, where do I get that? And it was the destroyer. <laughs> Someone sent a picture of it to me. And the destroyer with the big eyes, and it was cute yet fearsome, and it was, oh, I'm in love. I, I want that. I will pay for that. I'm a poor student, but I will pay. <laughs> <laughs> she's glorious. She knows what she's doing. She's she's fantastic. Very talented. They look like they must take ages, um, but she's so prolific. It seems like there's a new one every every few days. They, but they look like. They, they must painstakingly uh, sculpted, don't they? Oh, well, the attention to detail is mm. magnificent in them. Yet capturing the caricature uh, and the mood of the characters at the same time it is astoundingly good work. Another one the other day, was it Margaret Slavine, sort of halfway out of the skin suit? <laughs> yes. And there's so many. It's just knowing like, where to start. I think the one at the moment... Um, there's a, there's a couple of Eighth Doctor <clears throat> fan artists in particular. There's Johannes. Um, I think that's how you say it. I could be completely wrong. Uh, which is like uh, J O H A N N E S 
and then it's V two yeah and two eyes. I think it's seven, but I can never remember the V version. Anyway, they do Eighth Doctor art. <clears throat> um, Harness does comics as well, and then there's Elizabeth, um, whose Twitter hashtag is at Lizzie F I. I, J, I believe, but they do some really outstanding Eighth Doctor work. And obviously, with the Eighth Doctor as well, not having his own TV series, people actually visualising all the audios and stuff like that, it's just it's stunning to be able to watch watch those grow. Um, so I highly recommend those. Elizabeth in particularly recently, it's very kind of, I, I don't want to insult it, because it's not what I'm trying, going for, but like that kind of Minecraft kind of blocky kind of but textured and it's absolutely stunning work and they're they're slowly working their way through the audios so you've got like storm warning and all like just like seeing like the spaceship and stuff in the sky and i'm sat there going this is is beautiful i want it on my wall um you know stuff like that then um and then obviously johannes's work is has been beautiful since i discovered it and continues to be beautiful um but then you've got like the, the people who kind of you can tell the people who aspire to be big finish photorealistic artists um, in the same way that like Anthony Lamb released uh, the um, the cover of the Doctor Who magazine that they released today. Anthony Lamb's illustration, Whoa, sexy cover, sexy Daleks. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I was very fortunate when I discovered that he did the cover for Master Thief, the, the two um, master stories from last year. And when I, I saw the mock-up, I was sat there going with the mock-up, it's like, ah! And then when I saw the actual one, I was like, ah! It's like lots of screaming. Uh, oh my God, I need I was on a cover for me! Oh my God! Um, uh, but that David Burgess recently did a beautiful one in homage of, um, was it The Yellow Fragrance, which is one of the Big Finish audios? which I love, um, which has John Dorney kind of uh, swooning over Barbara. I mean, I recommend that anyway, but the artwork <laughs> is stunning. Um, Lee Binding, obviously, we, we know and love Lee Binding, Bow to the King of Photoshop. Um, <clears throat> and then um, two of my other favourites is there's someone called Imogen, or Gin Noodle, um, who you may see often online, but she does some beautiful kind of, again... I, they look naive, but I know they're not naive. Beautiful, kind of colourful Jody illustrations, usually, um, and they they look like they're done in like crayon or like like colouring pencil, but they're done digitally. Um, oh no, I think some of them are done digitally, but um, I think some of them are traditional as well. And then my 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 favourite would probably be Carolyn Edwards, um, who did some big finish artwork years ago and does some amazing artwork now. Um, and she was one of the first people I met when I did conventions. And um, for my birthday two years ago, she drew me and Ian and Barbara and ballpoint pen. And it's just probably one of the most beautiful images that I own. Um, so they're like people that like I love. I mean, the only other one I'll mention is uh, they're not on Twitter, sadly, but they're known as Halvoric. So H-A-L-V-O-R-I-C. Um, and they have, they don't post as much anymore, but they're a big master fan and they do some really awesome comic kind of illustrations. You'll see kind of like, I, I've been inspired by Halvoric for years and they do these brilliant Delgado images, uh, but just like, like, they're just 
they're honestly fantastic, really heavy lines. They look like they come straight from a comic strip. Um, really good fun, great energy. Um, and they've done it for lots of different shows as well, but they're, they're classic who and their big finish that they've done some absolutely stunning work, but they've been like big inspirations to me that I've seen online. Um, and hopefully you guys will all love them as well. <laughs> but uh, I, I love them dearly. I'll proceed this with a very short story, if I may. When I first got online um, and discovered Doctor Who groups, as we discussed earlier, um, I kept seeing this art that was very distinctive, digital art, um, sort of Photoshop jobs. Uh, and it was Andy Lambert's work. Um, and... I just fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with it. And I thought, I want to try doing this. So he's actually the artist that, that inspired me um, initially to even think about trying to do anything on a computer because I'm a complete Luddite. Um, but I'm lucky enough to be friends with him on Facebook now. He's a lovely chap. Um, and his art, it just gets better and better. And he's, his traditional art now, he's doing a lot of uh, comic-style art, uh, a lot of 2000 AD-style stuff. And it's just gorgeous. But there's him. Um, I really like the stuff people are doing in Blender, like Anthony Lamb. Um, and I really like James Johnson uh, at the Prydonian. His, his Daleks... Oh my god, they are so good. They are so good. Mind Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's able to take the Dalek and change it yet keep it so totally Dalek. Um if we'd have had him designing Daleks for the paradigm, things might have turned out differently because he's just got a way with making them the same but fresh. Um, I love his stuff. And I think anyone that can work with Blender and 3DR is a genius. It's shockingly technical and shockingly good. Um, in that vein, like Gav Rymill as well, the mind robber. Um, yeah. Gav, the, the stuff he's doing, and, and, and it's lovely to see that his stuff is getting sort of like the official stamp all over it, you know. Um, he's, he's everywhere at the moment. There's books with his stuff in because um, he contributed to the TARDIS Type 40 manual book that came out a few years ago didn't he that was, that was a lot yeah. of his work in that it's just so nice I mean, he, did, he did my favourite version of the console room with the um, he did the season 12 the, yeah. the TARDIS we never saw um, with a little seating area and glass wall panels with controls and things on them, a glass floor under the console and he had Harry, Sarah and uh, the Doctor in there just sort of living their best lives <laughs> just things like that blow me away but there's, there's so many there are so many artists um, Cooper, uh, Cooper Hillier oh seeing how far he's come in the last year, year and a half uh, and he put up a series 12 one um, yesterday I think. It's just mind blowing. Um, and Sam Smith Productions as well, of course, because he, oh, his light his use of light and, and colour there are some amazing digital artists out there, there are 
so many amazing traditional artists who I take my hat off to on a regular basis because I only wish I can doodle. I doodle quite well, but anything other than that, it just blows me away. Absolutely blows me away. We're really lucky as a fandom. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and you mentioned Gav Rymiller. I just got the um, the Dalek combat yes. training manual the other day. Um, oh, which, did you? It's a beautiful little book, and it's it's sort of um, of a style with the with the TARDIS uh, flight manual one as well. They're the same sort of uh, format and hardback, and and again just full of uh, beautiful illustrations and and sort of um, schematics and things. Really, uh, they really remind me of the. The technical manual from the 80s, which I, as a kid I used to love and try and trace things out. I've got no artistic ability at all. <laughs> I used to sort of trace things out of the technical manual because, um, yeah, the, um, you know, seeing all those sort of tools and spaceships in there really uh, sort of uh, fired the imagination, uh, especially because I hadn't seen a lot of the stories at the time. Yeah, yeah. Can I mention Rain Tramsky? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Gorgeous arts. Gorgeous! It's almost Adrian Salmon, not quite, but kind of in the same, an adjacent universe, almost. Very stylized, gets the characters spot on. I'm, I, I've tried analysing it. Don't know how. Don't know why. Don't care. It's just blooming lovely to look at. They're always really dynamic as well. There is always a lot happening, uh, and they're always in that fantastic pose. And it's just, yeah, she's amazing. Blows me away. Yeah. And Sophie, of course, because uh, I'm a Sophie fan. I've got my London 1965 print. I've got it, and I love it. And it just makes me so happy. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, speaking of Sophie's, uh, I can't believe I forgot to mention Sophie Caldry, who did some amazing work for the Stillbooks over the last year or so. Um, God, uh, I, I don't know how they do it. It's, it's, digital art in particular when it comes to painting digitally, I, I can't get my head around it. I wish I could. Like I, I can kind of sell paint. I can, like, can colour between lines. But if you ask me to take those lines away and make it look like a human being, I'm like, nah, no, nah, we're good. No, nah, I'll keep my lines. I can't do it. Um, and that's the same with uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Lowe, who's, who's, again, who's come such a long way since, I would say, the last year and a half because he, because of the Friends of Ace artwork he does every week. He's practicing every week and you can just watch his progression. Absolutely stunning work. Um like I, I couldn't, I cannot imagine how he does it. Like I, I think it was like a work in progress. He put up yesterday from it's a sin, and there was no wise in it yet. And I was like, how do you know what you're doing? I, I, I don't know what you're doing. Like just, it looked like it looked like a really terrifying mannequin. And I was just like, I always work with the eyes first because then I feel secure, like I know where the yeah. eyes are. Yeah. But he obviously built the skin up from scratch. And I was like, what is it? Um, it's yeah. sorcery. That's what it is. Magic. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to rack my brains if there's anyone. I mean, there's, we could go on for hours. There are so many talented people. Uh, there's... Uh, Rosie on Twitter who does nice beautiful cartoons Rachel Smith who has done some Doctor Who 
um, stuff. The Titan does some beautiful kind of comics of her own, but she did some Doctor Who comic sketches, I believe, for Titan at one point. Carolyn and Rain have obviously been on uh, in on Titan uh, artworks, I believe. Rain definitely has, um, and I know Carolyn does covers for people as commissions. Absolutely stunning work. Um, um. Yeah. There's Grant Perkins, who does like really sweet, kind of blocky, yeah. cartoony stuff. But and then obviously you've got the greats of Colin Howard still still out there doing things, and Adrian Salmon is still doing stuff for people. It's just like you still have all these like brilliant artists back from before, still churning out great material when they feel like it and making us all putting us all to shame like yeah <laughs> um, great as well i mean dot t magazine yeah. artist and yeah it's, um also can i mention holly who's on on twitter she's at sparrow luchero uh sparrow l-u-c-e-r-o i'm not sure if they're watercolor or not but they're kind of casting caricatures and going back to almost a quentin blake-ish yeah. Thing. I, I clearly like this sort of thing. I must admit, and um, and uh, she does wonderful things. And Mark D. Lewis art. Um, he does. Oh, oh, yes, I forgot yes. Mark. Mark's amazing. I love. I, I retweet the hell out of him. <laughs> I, honestly, his um, his SB seven from Robots of Death. He's and his stormtroopers are sexy. <laughs> they just—they've got such depth. I—I I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know how they are. I could apply any um, art theory stuff to it. They're just—they're just gorgeous to look at, and they make you want. I think for me, if it works, it works. This is what we were saying earlier, and his stuff just hits all of my little sweet spots it's amazing <laughs> just the colour the light it's, and I, I look at the, the, the sort of sketch he does first he, he always puts up a picture of like the line drawing first and then you see the end result and go uh-huh. how did you do that and they're already <laughs> they're always they're always close up aren't they they're always yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. head and the shoulders and it's very intimate but it's also very immediate it's very in your face but it's kind of um i'm, I'm, I'm grasping for the word they're 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 very they look like you could reach into the painting they're not photorealistic but it makes you want to look like you should should be able to touch them tactile. tactile very tactile word. yeah 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 before we finish this because i know we could go on and on and on but i must i must say um and on and on um a friend of mine um, has started dabbling with um, artwork, and it's uh, Antonio Restelli. I don't yes. know if you know Antonio. His stuff he's doing at the moment for the um, kind of real-time spin-off releases are absolutely stunning pieces of work. Like the one for downtime, where you have the Brigadier and Victoria in the background, just. He, again, has come a long way over lockdown in particular, where you can tell he's just been having a lot of time to be able to, like, play with his art programs and see what happens and what sticks. Just some of it is just so good. Those placements and knowing what colours are, like, sparking against. Um, I'm really enjoying his work at the moment. But uh, as we keep saying, that's what's so good. It's like, it's not just taste, it's just 
what what it does to you as an individual, what what sparks your attention. And there's so many different varieties of it. But there are people here that we have talked about here that may have their own taste of people we don't even know. Because there's so many people that we could talk about. Um, and that's just the joy of it. The joy of it is there is so much because of what Doctor Who is. Just a combination of amazing things. And it may not always speak directly to me and mm. my, my artistic taste, but I respect the hell out of anyone that does it in any medium, to be honest with you. Uh, just putting it out there and doing it and, and doing it for wanting to do it. Um, hats off to you. Anyone. One last mention from me. Um, check out Steve Alexander's figures, if only for the chicken in the cyber throne. <laughs> <laughs> I never got over the chicken sitting on the cyber throne. He's just wonderful sense of humour. Uh, you know, like yeah. on a par silly with my stuff. It's just, yeah, it's he, he's he's great. His imagination and what in the way he gets those figures done is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Last man, I love his stuff. Love it. That was the last one on my list to mention. Like as you've been talking, I've been ticking off everyone I was going to mention, and I think that was the last one. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Stephen Alexander stuff's uh, fantastic as well, um, and everyone should check out Scott Gray's Etsy store as well. Uh, yes. You can get some fantastic prints yes. on there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's stuff. The, the Sea Devils go swimming oh, towards towards you. I almost said the camera then, but sort of swimming towards you. In my head, I, I saw that on telly. In my head, we didn't see that on telly in real life. That's what you yeah. see in your imagination mm. and that's what Scott puts on the paper what you think you saw but you didn't actually see and that's a talent <laughs> this, this might be something that you, a name that you've already mentioned because I it's hard to search for like a piece of art and not a name but I don't know who the person is you know that does the it's like they are made out of um, paper like where you've cut out and, and oh, put, yes um, yeah. I, I don't oh, know who does God. them I, I'm not describing it very well it's like the Dave it did the Matt Swift one recently that looks really good mm. um, they're actual like um, almost like net figures aren't they made yes yeah that's the, that's the cubes and net cubism yeah. The, uh, but actual physical oh, um, is that Ryan Hall Am I wrong? I think it might be Ryan Hall. I think it might be Ryan Hall. Because I, I, I'm afraid we are actually on camera, but you won't be able to see us in audio, but I'm very lucky to have one of them. Oh, wow. Uh, so oh. I, 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 I actually have an, an old car. Ryan Hall. Yeah. Dougie, yeah. 74 design. Um, I actually have one. I, I was asking if I could buy one. Oh. And then he... He said, oh, I'm sorry, they're not for sale. And then I just got one in the post. Which oh, was so this is, and I think he's made different prototypes now. So he has one I think he's used for something else. But just the detail in the paper. Sorry, to those who can't see this, because I'm showing these guys on video, it's a little Hartnell with a walking, uh, with a walking stick and a scarf. Uh, he looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but he's he's made out of paper. He's a bit dusty. That's that's bad. That's on me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he sits on my Doctor Who shelf in my study. Um, I love him. Oh, but he is made completely out of paper. 
yes, he's he's very sweet. You should make them for people because I think people would buy them. Absolutely, um, definitely, yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> there we go. I'm very, very, very jealous. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if you get Virgil tonight, and it's a I know, I know, no <laughs> it's fine. I, I'm, I'm prepared to protect my heart and all the paper figure of my life. <laughs> Well, so thank you very much for, for joining me. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm in awe of, uh, of, of your talent. Um, I say I have no, no ability whatsoever. So uh, it's, it's been a real privilege to, to hear you talk about it and, and your uh, influences and styles and everything. And um, I will obviously put links in the show notes to, uh, to where we can find um, all your work and to your shop, Sophie. Oh, thank you. I have a, uh, a Candyman badge. Heartless Patrol was uh, the first story I um, ever saw, so it's um, it's got a real special place to me, and I, I love your um, your Candyman face. So uh, oh, thank you. Um, I got that at Warp a couple of years ago, whenever the last Warp was. Uh, hopefully, oh gosh, uh, about well, it will be coming up two years this summer, I think. Hopefully, it won't be another two years before there's another one. Yeah, gosh, time. <laughs> What's happening? It's relative. Thank you very much for having us, Mark. Thank you. Really Mark. enjoyed this. Nice to speak to you, Simon and Sophie again. Yes, always a pleasure. Thank you, and thank you very much for listening at home. Goodbye. <laughs>